this is Boots on the Ground podcast and I'm your host D. Blacks Lesalon. In this fourth episode of our new series, In the Quest to Protect Africa's Wildlife and Wild Places, I'm so humbled to be speaking with Alfred Mwanake. Alfred is a 39-year-old father of two small boys aged four and one years old. He works as a conservancy coordinator at the Taita Taveta Wildlife Conservancy Association. There are 33 conservancies under the Taita Taveta Wildlife Conservancy Association umbrella, occupying a total land area of 1 million acres. Alfred has worked with TTWCA since 2016. His typical day is spent either in holding meetings with communities and partners such as African Wildlife Foundation or implementing projects in the conservancies. His biggest achievement to date has been working with AWF to train rookie scouts from three conservancies in carrying out security patrols. The biggest challenge he has faced so far is COVID-19, which has resulted in a spike in poaching as people look for cheap sources of protein, and which has also led to loss of jobs for members of his community who worked in tourist facilities housed within uh, conservancies, Lumo being one. Many scouts have also been let go because there is no money to pay them. Both of Alfred's parents worked in tourism, uh, which sparked his interest in conservation from a young age. His father was a hotel manager and his mother worked as a tour guide. He remembers visiting his father at work in Baringo County and riding on the back of a giant tortoise at the facility. From there, he developed a lifelong love affair with wildlife. For him, conservation is a way of life. He is fierce about protecting wildlife and its habitats because he wants to pass on a rich legacy to his children. He wants them to experience wildlife firsthand like he has instead of only seeing it in books and movies. He knows that the only way to do that is by getting the community to see wildlife as more valuable alive and to participate in conservation. Currently, many people in his community have an exploitative relationship with wildlife and wildlands. They value these resources only as a source of food and cheap fuel. Alfred's tactic has been to link thriving wildlife populations to human livelihood. For example, if the community, if the community takes care of birds, they play their role as pollinators, which leads to increase a forest cover, which in turn leads to sustainable water sources for people. This is working. He reports that communities are now beginning to show more support for conservation in the landscape. What a guess. I can't wait to have a conversation with Alfred. I hope you enjoy this episode and learn something. Karibu, karibu sana. Um, thank you so much, um, Alfred Monake, uh, for making time uh, to join this podcast this afternoon. Um, and karibu sana to the show. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, maybe you can just dive right in. Um, could you please tell us your story and how it was like growing up in, in a wildlife area? Okay. Uh, so, um, uh, growing up in a wildlife area for me, it's been a it's been a good experience uh, in the sense that you're born in a the funny thing is that you're born in a county where uh, if you know there is Taitatabeta and then there is Savo. So growing up, I knew that Savo is another completely different area. Yeah. State of Veta is another completely different area. Maybe just because the two names are very different. Uh, but uh, the, the few years that I did spend in Taitataveta County before I moved to uh, Nairobi for uh, further education, I uh, grew up in a farm. 
in that farm, I think my experience with wildlife was that they ate our chicken. <laughs> uh, apart from that, the buffaloes and the elephants would come to um, the, the area where we do our farming and eat maize, uh, eat the tomatoes, uh, because basically where I grew up is in an area called Pura, and it's a, a lush place um, with streams of water flowing. Yeah. Growing up, uh, there was this particular waterfall that was just amazing and gave a beautiful view, especially in the mornings when I woke up uh, uh, to be able to maybe do my daily chores, things like that. Yeah. Uh, having, a, I think, uh, as I continued to grow, my dad has always been a hotelier, my mom was a tour guide. Wow. So uh, that was uh, something which uh, really attracted me to wildlife and made me love wildlife. Uh, basically, I used to love a lot of bird watching. Mm -hmm. I got to know a lot of species of uh, birds, what they're called, uh, why they're called so, uh, and how they interact with uh, nature and other uh, biodiversity. And uh, for, for my mom and for my dad, having worked in that, uh, that uh, at the end of the day, that that's what uh, has put me to school mm. and educated me and for me to be able to get where to where. Wow, that's a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing that. And it's interesting to note that your, both your parents have that background. And now you you are the conservancy's coordinator. Um, how did you get into conservation and what drives your passion really uh, in this field? That again is funny because my background my academic background is in uh, accounting. Oh. Uh, and I remember in uh, 2009, I left Nairobi. I decided I needed to take a break from the, the big city. Uh, maybe it's because I'm an introvert and I'm not used to uh, uh, these noisy places. Yeah. Uh, so I, I did come to the move back to Tetataveta and I decided uh, I'll try out my hand in poultry farming. I did well in poultry farming, uh, but where I did get into this job is uh, where I met the chairman, the current chairman of the association, TTWCA, and uh, I think he must have seen my genuine passion for just getting things done right, and he introduced me to uh, the ranches in Taveta, and he painted this uh, big picture, this big dream of um, community really benefiting from its natural resources which uh, they've been blessed um, by God with yeah. and through that introduction I was able to be given the job uh, and basically because the job really didn't have much to offer it was something which you really had to now start working from scratch and build it from there so that is how I got into this job. Wow, and could you please describe to us your typical work day? How does that look like? Paint a picture for us. My typical work day is meetings, meetings, meetings. Uh, but two versions of it in the sense that it could either be in boardrooms or in conferences. But the meetings that I particularly like are the meetings within uh, the conservancies, uh, which we bring together with the community. I just love to sit down with the community hear what they have to say uh, and for us to be able to come up with the plans and 
take back those plants back to their office and see how can I be able to support them yeah. and uh, see that in the next one, two, three years that they've been able to uh, move a step high in, high in talent. Yeah, and talking of communities, which are some of the communities that inhabit uh, these areas, uh, especially in, in the conservancies? Uh, so some of the communities we have are the indigenous uh, Taita Taveta people. So Taita Taveta County, you have the Taita people and the Taveta people, uh, two different languages altogether. And also uh, we've been able to assimilate with the Akambas yeah. and the Masais. Um, and uh, basically those will be the major communities who you will find within Taita Taveta County. Fantastic. Let's switch on gears now and talk about your work um, um, in, in, in um, the Taita Taveta you know, Conservancies Association. Could you briefly um, uh, take us through some of the conservation work that you're involved in, in the Tsavo conservation area? Right. So um, basically what we are doing is, number one thing is uh, community livelihood. Yeah. So whereby we are able to introduce uh, uh, to the community activities which they can be able to do and benefit from and that affect well. Work well with uh, wildlife conservation, given that Taita uh, Taveta County is endowed with a lot of wildlife, and uh, basically we are talking about the biggest conservation area in Kenya. Given that we host the two Savos, Savo East and Savo West National Park, uh, which take about around 62% of the Taita Taveta County, yeah. then uh, our conservancies, uh, which are total to around 33. Uh, uh, members of the TTWCA take up to 24% of uh, uh, the landscape and so it's important for us to have nature-based enterprises we've been able through partners to do uh, to support communities with uh, beehives for them to do uh, beekeeping uh, ventures yeah. enterprises and also uh, being able to support them to do holistic grazing they can be able to do their livestock grazing but in a way that does not degrade uh, the, uh, the environment yeah thank, thank you for that and alfred how, how is the association addressing emerging threats to conservation uh, for example infrastructure development like the sgr just passing right in the middle of uh, separating Savo east and Savo west we have um, uh, human activity uh, bushmeat uh, poaching and uh, trade which is uh, a key threat to some of the work, conservation work that um, you're doing here. What, um, uh, what is the association doing to mitigate some of these impacts? Uh, so uh, when it comes to infrastructure development, we work with closely with partners uh, such as AWF so that we can be given that they have a strong reach nationally and they have a big voice. Uh, so we add our voice to, to their voice they're able to really support us when it comes to um, advocating or lobbying for such issues on how do we set up or uh, the development, how does it take place or take shape within Tata Beta County, taking into context how it can be able to, how it affects the communities that reside there. Because if you do uh, block the wildlife corridors, it means you're creating a problem 
uh, and usually the problem is that uh, most of the times the elephants are not able to pass through their natural migratory corridors and they are forced to now remain within the community areas and that's where the human wildlife conflict takes place. Yeah. Apart from that, we, are, we receive uh, capacity building through our partners. AWF has been very instrumental in this to support our community scouts. They have built their capacity. So it means in terms of how even they educate the community and how they also interact with the community and respond to emergencies uh, where elephants maybe are doing crop raids, then they're able to, uh, to support the community and help the community in, in that aspect. Yeah. Apart from that, they're able to take care of the environment and be able with the cases of um, with the cases of uh, bushmeat poaching uh, increasing, uh, they're able to uh, uh, be able to ensure that they take care. Um, most of the time, we would not want to to arrest because uh, if it's for subsistence, then looking at how then do you support the community to look for other alternative livelihoods. But for those who are doing it commercially, then the scouts are very instrumental to able to arrest in collaboration with KWS to ensure that prosecution is done in the right manner. Yeah. AWF really support through that whole process to ensure that even the arrests are done in uh, in the proper way. Yeah. And uh, that cases of uh, maybe any uh, human injustice doesn't take place in any manner. Okay, great. Um, let's talk a bit about the communities. Um, and local communities are the largest stakeholder in the conservation, uh, you know, um, spectrum. And um, you've mentioned some of the ways that you engage them, uh, whether it's educating them on some of the best practices um, uh, to to conserve nature and to be able to survive and thrive uh, together with this wildlife. Um, Alfred, how do you get these communities to be excited about conservation and to actually feel like they, they own, they, to take ownership really and to, to say this is our wildlife, we have to protect it, we have to be on the front line and support um, these initiatives that are being brought at the grassroots levels. Yeah. So we've been able to do that through the message which we, uh, we, we've been able to throw out there to them. And the message is this, that the, the land is theirs. They've been blessed by God to own that land. And the, this land gives them the opportunity to reap from uh, wildlife as a resource. Yeah. Wildlife attracts tourism. Uh, secondly, through uh, ecosystem complement services. So we have the world-renowned Kasigao Red Plus project, a carbon project which uh, supports community projects uh, within uh, the county. That's a project uh, that's been done by and also uh, livestock. Um, uh, livestock is being people are always eating meat every day, and so that is something which uh, they are able to also. It's an enterprise they are able to benefit from. Apart from that, the county has been blessed with a very good mineral deposits. We are known for the uh, savorite, uh, and, and so that is something which they are able also to to get into, uh, doing it in a way that is sustainable in a way that does not affect uh, the environment. 
this message we uh, put it um, through video uh, we do videos we've done short videos and we've, uh, we've been able through social media platforms to be able to share those videos to members of the communities uh, secondly we've been uh, we, we package our message through radio talk shows whereby we go to local community radio talk shows and have this discussion with members of the community on uh, the opportunities that are there in uh, conservation. And uh, thirdly, through write-ups, which we are able to, through publications, we're able to also uh, disseminate this to uh, the community, be able to, to read through and understand this. We are looking into future to be able to uh, start having uh, engagement with the youth being able to just take them to the conservancies. Uh, from a very early age, we understand that it's important for them from an early age to really start appreciating the natural resources as they are, uh, and the wildlife that's there. And uh, instead of taking them to the national park, we want to take them to the conservancies for them to have their school trips in there. So that is something which we are gearing up to. Wow, that's very interesting and thank you so much for sharing that and you mentioned something very interesting, youth engagement and um, Africa's population, let's say even Kenya's population is youthful and what has been the reception so far in terms of, uh, you know, when you go and address and, uh, you know, try and bring them in, in these discussions and conversations, uh, have, you, have you noticed uh, a certain type of, you know, in, interest, you know, in the youth, um, you know, in you know, uh, getting to understand how this whole concept of conservation is working and how they can be involved directly? Yes, the interest is there. Uh, that is the good thing. Uh, the problem is when they do not have the information. And, uh, and so, uh, surprisingly, it was a bit fun even for some of uh, the youth whom we've been able to engage here on TTWCA and employ. Uh, that they didn't know anything to do with conservation or conservancies uh, previously. Yeah. Uh, for them, going through this highway, what they'll know, there is the servo, but uh, they have not even to, been into one conservancy. But when you do have that discussion with them, there is that interest. And we know that uh, the situation in Kenya for the youth looks a bit dire, in the sense that uh, many have gone to school, but remain unemployed and so when you present this opportunity it also has to present uh, an opportunity for gainful employment for them or an opportunity for them to seize uh, a, a, a business um, opportunity for them to, to run with yeah. and so uh, we've been able to first and foremost being uh, been able to talk with our member conservancies and they've been able to employ youth within the uh, to become community scouts. Yes. Now, these community scouts are doing a great job. Uh, uh, the number has seemingly grown over the last three years. Yeah. Uh, and it's just the youth that we're giving opportunities for this. And then uh, there is the opportunities as now we develop tourism facilities that they can actually be able to get gainful employment from. From the set. Mm -hmm. Then, uh, from the nature based enterprises like beekeeping, we've actually identified the youth yeah, and the women, and these are the groups who, who we are directly supporting with 
uh, these uh, beehives to be able to uh, do their ventures and be able to sell honey and make something that is profitable. Mm. It's interesting to know that uh, even in, in the advent of the COVID-19 pandemic, that yeah. uh, the bees keep on working. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't stop working. The yes. bees keep on working. So uh, the honey is always being is always being made. And so yeah. it's something that doesn't really affect how you how you work. And we are still looking at how do we continue to to ensure that uh, there is that inclus- inclusivity for the youth. Yeah. So that they do not uh, do not venture into 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 things that uh, really degrade the, their value of life. You know, issues things to do with uh, drug addiction, yeah. uh, alcoholism, and all that. So giving them something that they that can interest them and can really help them to uh, uh, can really help them to. To, to see that there's value to life. Sure. Uh, and there's those things which they're interested in are right there next to them. Fantastic. Thank you so much for that, Alfred. And I'm curious to know, um, what has been, you know, uh, the most rewarding success in your career? So for looking back and up to now, even after the whole pandemic thing happened and what you're, you're currently doing and you're continuing to do, what has been the most, your most rewarding success for you? Uh, my, my, my most rewarded success would be this organization. Uh, this organization, when I joined, it was called State Atangata Ranchers Association. It was not State Atangata Wildlife Conservancy Association. And for us to be able to have transited from just purely looking at ranching aspects and being able to uh, ensure that we benefit from wildlife as a resource and the other natural uh, resources that the environment has to provide for us. That for me has been a big win. And in the sense that uh, we never had an office. We never uh, never had an office set up. And for, uh, the office was my backpack. Uh, that's where I would have my notebooks. Yeah. Uh, invested in a laptop. Uh, I would carry a laptop everywhere. Be able to do the reports and the minutes for the meetings which for some would do under the tree. Must have been tough, right? <laughs> it was very tough. <laughs> it was really tough. But right now, uh, from just being the one person in the secretariat, right now I have colleagues whom I'm working with. Currently we are seven. We are looking to grow. Wow. Uh, we've uh, been able to attract uh, partners uh, to collaborate with us. That's why, uh, for us, the future looks very bright. What this organization has to offer for the community is immense. In the terms that uh, we provide that platform for uh, partners to be able to understand what is it really that our community uh, wants to benefit from. Sure. And that really helps uh, our partners come up with the right strategies, uh, which at the end of the day, Great. Um, let's talk a bit about the COVID-19 pandemic, which basically put revenues down by 80%. I'm sure you're aware of that. And tourism and the conservation world was basically on life support. Um, 
And uh, it affected also the communities that depend on um, ecotourism. As I mentioned, um, the, conserva the, the association covers a very big area. And I'm sure there are lots of um, you know, communities which were dependent on this revenue, on, 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 on these animals, really. Mm -hmm. uh, do you believe, Alfred, that we can have conservation uh, without tourism? Yes, I do believe so. Uh, because uh, tourism is just one part of it. We love tourism. Tourism is something which we never like. Uh, uh, even if we do not have the international tourists flocking in, there's always the domestic tourists who always be interested in coming and uh, touring the areas. But aside from tourism, there's so much opportunities. In, the in, in terms of, if you look even at how a county is set up, it's an asshole area, and there's a lot of sun. And that means there's an opportunity for us to tap into green energy. Yeah. yeah. So uh, if we can be able to sell that to the national grid, yeah, it means that uh, for the communities who are able to uh, venture into this, um, into this uh, investment, they'll be able to uh, reap big from just selling power to the national grid and earning something from it. Apart from that, the opportunity that is there um, when it comes to doing uh, really com a large-scale commercial uh, beekeeping where you have uh, apiaries set up and able to sell both to the where there's, there's a huge demand for the local market and also a big demand uh, internationally for, for honey mm -hmm. as people look at um, uh, reducing lifestyle diseases uh, so less intake of uh, sugar and more intake of honey which is more natural uh, and processed in a, in a very natural way. Yeah. So uh, uh, there is uh, opportunity even past tourism. Yes. Okay, thank you for that, Alfred. And as we look uh, to close this discussion, mm -hmm. um, where do you see uh, Kenya's wildlife population and the quality of life of the local people mm -hmm. in the next 50 years? Um, I'm always a, an optimistic person. So if you ask me, and I think uh, the government did a great job the other day, the Ministry of Tourism and Wildlife, and uh, they they've uh, released the report on the census. Yes. Uh, the numbers are not looking bad, but actually uh, okay for most of the species. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I would be happy with anything between 5% to 10% growth <laughs> in the next 50 years given the dynamics that we have to balance between population growth and ensuring that we maintain the wildlife numbers. Mm -hmm. I think 5-10% uh, uh, that's where uh, I see the growth in uh, wildlife numbers in the next 10 years and I think it will not be a bad thing. And do you feel like the needs of both the people and the wildlife will be balanced? Yes, uh, I, I feel it will be balanced. If uh, the livelihoods have improved, and I think we are at uh, a moment and time where there is that opportunity, where if we actually do things and do things right, you know, previously uh, conservation was all about wildlife, but right now it's uh, people have realized that uh, for you to better conserve wildlife, then you you have to look at the needs of the community. 
Yes. Now with that shift, it gives us now the opportunity to actually really improve the livelihoods of the local communities that live in Zwale and those uh, who are given uh, their parcels of land uh, and increasing that space for wildlife to be able to uh, to interact and uh, with the local communities. That opportunity, if we really take advantage of it as TTWCA and also all uh, stakeholders within the conservation fraternity, if we work that way, then we're able to uh, ensure that there is that balance. And at the end of the day, I think tourism will pick up in future. And that combined with uh, these other activities, whether it's livestock uh, keeping, whether it's nature-based enterprises such as beekeeping, and whether it's um, uh, issues to do with green energy. Yeah. All that will ensure that uh, really this holistic approach uh, to how we can be able to improve uh, the community livelihood. And if someone is benefiting from something, then they will be uh, at the forefront to ensure that they protect that which uh, puts bread on their table. Fantastic. And, and how can our listeners support our TTWC um, conservation efforts in this particular region? The biggest issue is always funding. So uh, when you hear about an organization like TTWCA, or see an organization like TTWCA, uh, always important if you can be able to support, support us. Uh, we, we need to capacity built. We need to be able to grow. And when we grow, we're able to impact uh, our members even more. Uh, and so for us, for our partners, our hope will be that uh, you can reach out, reach, us, reach out to us and be able to, uh, we can be able to look through the strategies that we've developed. These are strategies which we've uh, not developed of our own mind, but we've actually uh, participatory where we sat down with members of our communities and agreed that this will be uh, this is where we envision ourselves uh, going to and if uh, our strategies are, um, are available online on our websites yeah. and you can follow our stories on our social media handles and you can be able to reach us reach out to us and discussion and see what areas would you really want to support. So that would be our call to those who would want to support us. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Alfred Bonake, for making time to join us this afternoon. Asante sana for your time. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you. Thank you too. Thank you so much, our listener, for being part of this great conversation. And if you love listening to this podcast, Remember to subscribe on your favorite listening app for free today. Please be sure to rate and review us. The reviews helps other listeners to find us. Let us also know what you like best about this podcast. And always remember that the conservation conversation is for everyone. Stay safe and stay blessed. Goodbye.